Welcome to our One Family series. We're in part seven. I entitled Depth and Trust. We've been on this journey through the book of Ephesians. It's really been an extension of a journey that we've been on over the past couple years of learning and studying what it means to follow Jesus. We are disciples of Jesus, and He's called us to go and make disciples. And in order for us to do that, we need to know Him. We want to live like Him, reflect Him. In this entire year, we've studied the book of John on reflecting who Jesus is, and now we're taking that a step further and seeing what it means for us to live that out on a daily basis. We've watched what Jesus did. Now we're trying to translate that in how we live our lives as brothers and sisters in Christ, as the church, and what that looks like. The letter to the Ephesians was really to their, a bunch of churches in the, the region of Ephesus. They were Gentile believers mostly, and Paul was writing to address this issue that, that the Jewish believers were trying to get the Gentile believers to be circumcised, to really become like the Jews, which is not at all what God had asked them to do. He just asked them to put their faith in Him. And so God, through the gift of the Holy Spirit, through marking us with the Holy Spirit, showed that He had no favoritism between Jew or Gentile or anyone else, man or woman. No matter the occupation, no matter what it is, we are all on the same ground through Christ. And so that was the great mystery we talked about last week, this mystery that we've been adopted into the family of God, that Christ died for our sins once and for all, and that we are one, we are one family together. Now I want to remind you that Paul is writing this letter during one of the times that he was in prison for preaching the gospel. There were several times that Paul was put into prison for preaching the gospel. Now think about that for a minute. We don't, here in America, we don't have a concept for that. Most of us have not spent time in prison, especially not spent time in prison for sharing our faith. We've been blessed to live in a country that allows us to share our faith freely. Not everybody likes it, but we can't go to jail because of it. And, but Paul was in jail, he was in prison for preaching the gospel. Now he was blessed in prison because he was able to write letters, he was able to do those things, but Paul's perspective in prison allowed him to do more ministry. So we're in Ephesians chapter 3, we're going to look at verses 14 through 21, and that's where I want to, I want to dig in a little bit. I entitled this again, Depth and Trust, and you're going to see where this comes from. This is, this is a packed section of scripture. This letter, this, this prayer, really Paul, it's a prayer that Paul has for the churches. And, and remember that these prayers for the churches and for believers, even though they were time specific, are kind of transcend time and apply to us as well. So let's look at this. Ephesians chapter 3 verses 14 through 21. I read out of the New Living Translation. If you have a different translation, that's fine. Uh, it may just look a little different. But here's what it says. It says in verse 14, When I think of all of this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand all 
As all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep His love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who's able through His mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to Him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Look, Paul was overwhelmed. He's in prison. He's, he's locked up in chains and he's overwhelmed by all that he wants to share with the believers everywhere. All that God has been pouring into him and teaching him, he's wanting to share those things. There was this overwhelming sense, so it drove him to his knees in prayer, and he prayed for each of the churches. He prayed for us. Paul was sent by God to the Gentiles. We are a part of that blessing that Paul poured out. So he said when he thinks of them, he falls on his knees and prays and asks God to touch them and to meet their needs and prays this prayer for them. And this is what I want to talk about. We're going to break down that prayer and all the things that Paul talked about. And so the first part of this is our inner foundation. He's praying for our inner foundation. And, and what that is, is he's praying that God will build us up on the inside, that we will recognize all that God's done and all that he's doing for us and, and that we would learn to trust Him. Sometimes we trust God for eternity. We'll say, okay, God, I know that I need you. I know that I'm sinful, and I want to live with you forever. But we don't always trust God with the day-to-day -day things. We like to put things in compartments. Well, I go to church, I pray, I tithe, I do those things in church. But in my job and in my family and all these different areas of life, we forget to trust that God is a part of everything. That He is a part of each segment of our lives. And that's where really this, the rubber meets the road. He wants to be Lord over all of our lives. Not just what we do on Sundays. Not just what we do in those spiritual moments. But our lives, our worship, every part of them. And so when you look at verses 16 and 17, it says, I pray that from His glorious unlimited resources, He will empower you with inner strength through His Spirit. Then Christ will make His home in your hearts as you trust in Him. Your roots will go down deep in God's love and keep you strong. It's a spiritual battle that begins on the inside. That's where all our battles are really fought. The physical battles are usually an outpouring of something that's happening on the inside. Maybe we get angry with somebody because they've hurt us or said something, but it, it wounds us on the inside and it comes to the outside. The inside of us, that inner being, that inner strength, that inner foundation is what Paul is praying that God would build up, that we would have that. And so that first part of this in the, is that we would have that inner strength, that we would have that inner resolve. That's kind of what I, I relate this to when I read that. This inner strength of the resolve that we're going to follow Jesus no matter what happens. That we're going to follow Him if everything goes away. Our job, even losing our family, maybe, maybe there's a tragedy or whatever. If our bank account is empty, if all that we know and the rug is just pulled out from under us, 
Paul is praying that we would have the inner strength to trust Jesus in those moments, to follow him in those moments, to have that resolve to step out in boldness. And remember, Paul's writing this from prison. Paul has been beaten, I think it's three times in Scripture, to the point of death. He's been imprisoned many times. There is so much that happened to Paul and even Peter and the other early church members and still happening today in many parts of the world. He's praying for inner strength, the resolve to stand firm. Jesus, two different times in Scripture, shows us that inner strength. You're like, well, Jesus is God. Of course he... No, he was fully man and fully God. He had to deal with the same temptations, the same anguish, the same sorrow, the same difficulty, hunger and fear, and all of those things that are wrapped up inside of him as being fully man. In two distinct times in Scripture, we see that his inner strength is tested. The first one's at the beginning of his ministry. At the very beginning... Um, If you look at Matthew chapter 4, and I'm going to focus on this one for just a minute, I'm going to read to you the first 11 verses of Matthew chapter 4, and this is the first time Jesus' inner strength is tested. It said, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. Now, I want to remind you that He, the Holy Spirit, descended on Him in the form of a dove, when he was baptized by John the Baptist. And he did that as an example to being baptized and the Holy Spirit descending upon him was that sign to John that this is the Messiah, the Son of God, fully man, fully God. And the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. In verse 2 it says, 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and he became very hungry. During that time, the devil came to him and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, No, the Scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple. And he said, If you are the Son of God, jump off, for the Scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so that you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. And Jesus responded, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to the peak of, the very, of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and, the glory, and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him, for the scriptures say you must Worship the Lord your God and only and serve only Him. The devil went away and the angels came and took care of Jesus. That was the first testing of Jesus. He was hungry. He'd been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. Some of us can't even fast for 40 minutes. And I know I'm joking about that, but, but that can you imagine the hunger, that place that he was, and, and the enemy comes in and attacks him at his weakest moment. And Jesus shows his resolve. He shows the inner strength that he has. He's modeling that to us. That in those moments of difficulty, we turn to the Word of God. We turn to Scripture. And we trust in who God is. He's showing that inner strength. Now the second one, a little later in Matthew, in Matthew 26, Matthew 26 verses 38 and 42 says this, And he told them, My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. 
Stay here and watch with me. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's about to be arrested. He knows this. His followers don't understand what's happening. But look, he says in verse 39, he went on a little further and he bowed down with his face to the ground, praying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then he turned to the other disciples and found them asleep. And he said to Peter, couldn't you watch with me even for one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. And then Jesus left a second time and he prayed, My father, if this cup cannot be taken away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. Jesus knew what was about to happen. He knew the pain and suffering that he was about to endure. This is again another testing of his inner strength. He's saying, look, I don't want to do this. In his flesh, Jesus is saying, I don't want to suffer. I don't want to go through this pain and this anguish. Yet, not my will, but yours. His inner strength was tested. His resolve was tested and he resolved to follow through. He's showing us how to live. He's showing us what steps we need to take, that we are to be resolved. It was hard in his body, in his human body. He did not want to do this. But he knew that he needed to do it. And Paul is praying that we would have that same inner strength, that when temptations come at us in our jobs, in our families, when we're sitting on the internet, when we're watching TV, whatever those places may be, that we would be resolved to follow Jesus, that that inner strength would be there, that we would withstand those battles. Paul was praying for inner strength. The second thing is trust. Trust. Man, that's a scary word. I talk to people all the time that are struggling to trust Jesus with every part of their lives. Like I said a few minutes ago, we trust Him with eternity. Well, most of we say we do. But do we truly trust Him with every area of our lives? Paul tells us that Jesus will make His home in our hearts when we trust Him. He will live in our hearts he will make his home there when we put our trust in him. Our sinful nature battles against trusting God. We, we, he tells us that we don't need God, that you can do this on your own. And I think in suburban America, we, we, we struggle with this the most because we most, for the most part, have decent jobs. We live in nice homes. We have food on the table. We have clothes. And we have been drilled into us in our culture that we need to accomplish, we need to achieve, we need to go grab what we want. And so we put our trust in ourselves. We put our trust in working hard. We put our trust in our bank accounts and in our jobs to provide for us. And so we forget how to trust God. And we're taught to do our th these things on our own and, and to prove ourselves. Our, prides gets in the, our pride gets in the way. We won't ask God for help. We won't ask God to help us to get through those difficult situations. We try to figure it all out. A lot of our anxiety comes from the things in our minds racing towards all that's coming against us. 
and we forget to put our trust in Jesus, forget to remind ourselves that He's the one that's in control, that when we trust in Him, He will take care of us. It doesn't mean He'll fix every situation. It means that He will always care for us and take care of us. He'll always do what's best. And we have to trust Him, but our pride gets in the way. We want to fix things. We got we to gotta do. And so there's this battle that ranges. Now, I'm not saying we just sit back and go, okay, God, and do nothing. That's not what we're, we're called to do. We are called to be doers, but to first put our trust in Jesus and to follow the leading of His Spirit, to, to ask Him to guide us and direct us through those situations that He can give us peace in the midst of difficult times. You're struggling at work. He can give you peace and give you the words and the things to do to help you in that. And sometimes He moves us from a job to another job because where we're at isn't healthy for us. It isn't where we need to be. So we have to trust Him in all things. I want to take a minute, man. People throughout the Old Testament, this is where the Old Testament is pretty awesome to read. There are key people throughout the Old Testament had to trust God through very difficult circumstances. They had to put their trust in. I think of Gideon. I think of David. I think of Abraham. I think of Moses. Joseph. People that had everything going against them and they had to trust God. Think about Moses. God calls him and asks him to lead Israel out of captivity. And Moses is like, look, man, I can't even speak well. How am I supposed to lead them out? So there's this inner turmoil. There's this conflict that Moses is having. He has to trust God to do that. Abraham, the Jews didn't even exist. Abraham went, or God went to Abraham and said, if you will just follow me, if you will follow me, and he gave him his promise. And David, and many times in David's life, you know, going up against Goliath, and even as he led as a king, I want to focus on one today, a man named Gideon. I think we can relate to Gideon more, maybe. The story of Gideon was in a time when there wasn't a king in Israel yet. They were ruled by judges that God would lead. Remember, they were just tribes. They were a nomadic people, and they would have these judges that would lead the country. Both men and women judges, by the way. Deborah was a judge. She led Israel. But at this moment, Gideon in, in Judges chapter 6 and 7 was such a man that had to step up. God had given Israel over to the Midianites. They were Israel wasn't following God. They had given up on following God. And so God gave Israel up to the Midianites. And the Midianites were so cruel to them that Israel fled and lived in the mountains, in the caves, and kind of hid. And they would have to do all their farming and everything and then bring it into the caves so the Midianites wouldn't take everything away from them. And the people were crying out to God. The people were crying out and asking God to intervene. And God goes to Gideon and says, I want you to, to rescue my people. Now, Gideon, if you look at this, Gideon was from the smallest tribe in Israel. And he was from the least family in that tribe. And he was the least in his family. 
But if you look at Judges 6, 14 and 15, this is what God said to him. The Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I'm sending you. But Lord Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least of my entire family. God said, I chose you. God loves to take people that are so outside of their comfort zone, so outside of everything else that they have to totally trust in him to accomplish this. So Gideon, he puts out a fleece. He does that whole test thing and God just goes with it. I'm not going to take the time to go through. You can read Judges 6 and 7 for yourself. But here's the summary of this. God's favor is upon Gideon and he gathers 32,000 men to create an army to go against the Midianites. And then God looks at Gideon, he has these 32,000 men, and Gideon's like, man, that, that's great. We didn't have anybody. Now we have 32,000. And God says, you know what? That's too many people. If you go and defeat the Midianites with these 32,000 people, the, the, the people of Israel are going to be tempted to say that they did it, not the Lord. And so you know what? I'm going to cut that number down. Go to all the, your fighting men and tell them, if you don't really want to fight, you can go ahead and go home now. Here's the deal. 22,000 people left. 22,000 people said, nope, I'm out. I don't want to go fight. I don't want to go do battle. I don't want to lose my life for this. Now you can think what you will of them, but 22,000 people were out. That left him with 10,000 people. And then God said, you know what? 10,000 is still too many. I want you to take them down to this river and I want you to have them drink out of the river. And then I want you to divide the people up. The people that take the water and cup it in their hands and lap it out like a dog from their hands, I want you to put it on one side. And those that kneel down and put their face in the water and drink the water like that, I want you to put them on this side. And so he divides them out and 300 men would cup the water in their hands and drink it like that. He said, those 300 are the people I've chosen. He went from 32,000 to 300 people. And he goes to battle. Tell me that doesn't take inner strength. Tell me that doesn't take resolve. Tell me that doesn't take the trust of God. And, and so they surrounded, the, the, the Midianites were down in this valley, and they surrounded the valley with, with these clay pots. They had these little things on top of the clay pots, or these torches, the clay pots on top of the torches. And when... When uh, Gideon yelled, and God gave him this plan, when he yelled, they all broke the clay pots, and so it surrounded the valley with these 300 torches. So it looked like this huge army was around him. And the Midianites were confused and scared, and they started fighting against each other, and they started fleeing, and they chased them, and God gave them the battle without them even having to strike anyone down. They just partnered with God in His plan, did what God told them to do, that takes resolve. That takes trust. When we put our trust in God, we can do far more than we can do when we trust on ourselves. If Gideon had just taken those 32,000 men and went to war, they might have been killed. They might have been wiped out. But trusting God, even though the plan seemed crazy, they were able to rescue Israel from the Midianites. The next thing that Paul prayed for us is the power to understand the love of God. 
the power to understand the love of God. So we have this resolve, this inner strength, and this trust. Now, that leads to us understanding God's love. And if we look at verses 18 and 19 again, it says, And may you have the power to understand, all, understand as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep His love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great for us to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all fullness of life and power that comes from God. We can't understand His love fully. It's too big. But he's praying that we may understand all that comes from it, the depth of it. Sometimes on the surface we understand it, but do we really know the depth of God's love, the amount that Jesus endured on the cross? Remember, he prayed in anguish, tears of blood. He did not want to do this. The depth of the love and the pain and the suffering he did so that we could be in relationship with him. 1 John 4, 9 and 10 says, God showed how much He loved us by sending His one and only Son into the world so that we might have eternal life through Him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Do we understand the depth of God's love? If we really truly understood the depth of His love, we would understand how much He cares for us, how much He's going to take care of us. It would level up our trust. It would level up our resolve. We would understand the power that comes from knowing Him. We know it on the surface, but we need to dig deep into it. Paul says to put our roots down in it. That's what we need to know. And the results of knowing that love, which is what leads us to the last part of this. Look at the last part of verse 19 and into 21 again. It says, And then you will be made complete with all fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who is able through His mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we ask, might ask or think. Glory to Him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. He says that we will be made complete in the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. When we put our trust in His love, when we put it in Him, we will be made complete, we'll be made whole. Without that, we're just floundering around, we're lost, we're not whole. First 17b, and I've said this a couple times, your roots will go down into His love and keep you strong. A couple years ago, we did a series in Colossians called Putting Down Deep Roots, and it was based on this principle that whatever you plant into, so when you plant a plant, if you're a farmer, you put the seed down in the soil and it, and it, and it sprouts roots and it begins to grow, and the roots are what bring the nutrients into the plant. So you put fertilizer in it, you put all those nutrients in, and the vitamins and minerals that's in the soil gets put up into the plant, and that's what gives us the, the health of the plant, and then it transfers to us as we eat it. We put our roots down in God's love. What flows out of us is the love of God. We're connected to the source of all the nutrients of God. The power of God will flow through us when we put down deep roots. We need to be deeply rooted in Him. We need to be deeply rooted in His love. Some of us base our identity on what others think on what they perceive us to be. 
That's where we draw our strength from, from how many likes we get on a social media post or how many pats on the back we get at work or whatever that is. And there's nothing wrong with the recognition, but the recognition's fleeting. It doesn't last. We've been watching the, uh, the Great British Baking Show. And there's, if you've ever watched it, we love this show. And, and maybe you think I'm a little crazy on that, but we love this show. And there was this lady on there who won, they, they have every week they give somebody a star baker who kind of wins the show that week as they progress along if you've never seen it. And so they would give the star baker, it's the honor for the week. And every week, she won like three weeks in a row, and every week she came back after that. The host would come up and say, hey, you were star baker last week and all that stuff. And every week she'd say, it's a clean slate. It's a clean slate. It's a new start. I'm not star baker anymore. Because that's what happens when we get those pats on the back, when we get those, those recognitions like that, they're fleeting. They go away. But when we put our deep roots down in Jesus, that love flows and it flows with us forever and always. We are in Him. Our identity is based in our relationship with Him, not in our accomplishments here on earth, not in what we've done. Too much of the church is living in the past on the things that were done in the past and on the things that were good in the past, but those things have passed away. God's doing something new. We're reaching a new generation of people. We're making disciples in a new generation of people. And though the Word of God has not changed and the foundation has not changed, what we're doing has because God's doing a new thing and we need to be deeply rooted in Him. Our identity is in Christ. And that leads to the last thing today, that we will accomplish more than we can imagine. It actually says that, more than we can imagine or ever think, that God will do more through us if we will trust in Him, if we will have that resolve. That's what Paul's praying. And when we put our trust in Him, we're going to be able to do more than we could ever think. I know we just talked about having success and it not being that important, that it's fleeting. But here's the thing. I'm not talking about our identity being a success. I'm talking about that when we put our trust in Jesus... Things are going to get done that we never thought were possible. Lives are going to be changed that we never thought were possible. God's going to use us in ways that we couldn't even imagine or dream. Sometimes those things are born out of the desires of our heart. I know that from my own life, I, if you were to ask me as a teenager what was ahead for me, and I thought, well, man, I'm going to go get a degree, and I'm going to go get a job, I'm going to make money, and I'm just going to kind of live my life. I never dreamed of traveling as much as I've been able to. I never dreamed of being able to see so many people's lives change through the power of God. I never dreamed that I would get to do 10% of the things that God's allowed me to do. The places I've been able to go, the people I've been able to see their lives change, that's, that's what's so amazing. To see our food pantry and to pray with people coming through the line and and, and there are some people that come through my line and, and I get to pray with them. There's one lady, I'm not going to say her name because I don't have permission, but she lost her husband last year and she comes through the line and, and she grabs my hand every time I go through and she said, you know what, I come just to have you pray with me. It's so encouraging. Man, that, that'll make your day. 
to know that the serving that you're doing, the faithfulness that you're doing for God, it changes somebody's life. It impacts them. That's far greater than any pat on the back from, from a boss or from anyone else, but to see somebody's life changed. Our identity is not in our success. It's in our relationship with God. And the beauty is that on this journey that we're on, this adventure that God's calling us to, He will do far more in our lives. We'll see far more through that when we trust in Him. Even Paul in prison. Paul's in prison. He's writing letters. And he may not have seen all the fruit of it while he was in prison, but I know that he can now. I don't know how heaven works. I don't know if you, if you die and then we all kind of wake up together. Whatever. I don't know how this all works. I really don't. But I know this, the fruit of all that Paul did has changed the world through his teaching of us about Christ and how he lived and what he did. Now, Christ is the one that changed the world. Paul's obedience went far greater than what he ever would have been as a zealot Pharisee. He impacted generations of church from his time period on. He allowed God to work through him. So the more we build up that inner resolve in Christ, the more we put our trust in Him and learn to love Him and learn to reflect Him, the more we surrender our lives to Him, the more Christ is going to do through us, not for our glory, but His, to change the world for Him. And then we're going to stand back one day and we're going to be amazed at all God's allowed us to do and to be a part of. That He works through us. This is the most exciting thing in the world. I wouldn't change a thing. I've been blessed beyond belief. And I'm excited to see what God's going to do next. I'm excited to see what God's going to do in you. If you will allow these things to happen in you, this prayer that Paul had for the church, it's for you and me. And I believe God's going to do far more than you ever imagined. Surrender to Him today. Let me pray over you. Father, we ask right now that you would melt the walls in our heart so that we would surrender to your presence, to your power, so that we can know that power that comes from the sacrifice that you did and what you've implanted in us. Lord, build up that inner strength in us. Build up that resolve and that trust in you today. Lord, use us for your glory. We want to be a part of seeing this world changed for you. We want to be a part in seeing somebody's life impacted and changed for you. Lord, I pray right now that you would touch each one that's watching this today. Whether it's during our service or if they're watching the recording later, I pray that you would touch each one. And that, Father, you would allow your Holy Spirit to work in us and through us today. And we give you all praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for being with us this morning. We, uh, we don't take that lightly. It's a privilege to have you here. I believe God's going to do great things through you if you'll just let your life be yielded to Him. Learn His Word. Let His Word go deep in your hearts. 
We love you and we'll see you next time.